around the Elevation Church today, we're wrapping up a teaching series that we've tagged God-led. And this teaching series, if you're just encountering it for the first time, you can get on our, our global YouTube page and you'll be able to, uh, Elevation NG global YouTube page, you'll be able to, you know, just walk through a lot of the messages that have gone. The, the, the premise or the, the, the uh, you know, objective of this series is to bring us back to that point again where we start to, um, you know, hunger and thirst for divine direction. The world is filled with confusion right now. Yeah, the world is filled with confusion. And, uh, you know, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33, it says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And when a lot is going on in our world, when there's crisis in the world, you see more confusion than ever before. Now, sometimes confusion can be localized where around you, it may look like everything is working for everybody, but it just looks like confusion sought me out or sacked me out and just decided to visit. So it looks like from time to time, I'm struggling to gain direction in the critical areas of life. And when it becomes so frustrating, we start to lose focus of the fact that one of the, the, the purpose of having a father, we say the father is a source and a sustainer. That's the father. That's, that's you, know, uh, uh, you know, it's possible to, some people limit fatherhood to paternity, yeah, which is source, but a sustainer. I was preaching uh, somewhere in, in, in Nigeria, in Port Harcourt, to be precise, I think this was in the month of May, uh, and uh, somebody was giving a testimony of how she had never seen her dad before, something like that, and she was about to get married, and then, you know, the culture there was that your father had to consent or something like that, so she, she had to go all over the place looking for her father, and then the man was saying before she would consent, he would consent. He needed this and that and that. And the pastor of the church where I went to preach, <laughs> after the testimony came up, was a, <laughs> was a strong-hearted man. <laughs> yeah. He said, you hear that testimony? I know about this lady. She's been in this church for so and so time. Uh, when the, the <laughs> he said, I am the spiritual father. Though she has a biological father. But the biological father abandoned her for this many years, and we took over the fatherhood. So when the man was given too many criteria for showing up, he said, I decided that I would take my position <laughs> as the father. He said, I'm not saying that I'm the biological father, but when you go to uh, the meaning of fatherhood, it shows that you are not just supposed, like, literally speaking, lay the egg and walk away. Yeah. What about how the chick is going to survive? And you know, many people have that mindset also about God. God is not our father who just is interested in us giving our life to Christ only. Or who is just interested in us being good only. He also cares about us. 
He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to nurture all of our good intentions, albeit within the confines of his purpose and, and our assigned destiny. Are you still with me today? Yeah, God is interested in you and I. That's why 1 Peter 5, and I think verse 7 or 17, uh, it, it says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Casting all your cares upon him. That means it's a God who, whose, whose chest is big enough to take all of our cares. And somebody may have come into this service fretting and caring about, you know, certain things. You know, at most, I mean, almost at every point in our lives we have some things that we are disturbed about. And you see, that's the reason why we have his presence. That's the reason. That's how to maximize uh, a worship experience like this. A service. It's a place where you cast your cares upon him. And then you practice it uh, in, in time of worship, for instance. And then you take it into your week. And then do it consistently. Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Can somebody uh, say after me, say, God cares about me. Say, so he cares for me. And is interested in the details of my life. I wanted to say it again. Say he's interested in the details of my life. And he's working everything out for my good. Or somebody says again, say God is working everything out for my good. In the precious name of Jesus. Somebody say better amen. So, we must not love confusion. You know, I just have an impression in my spirit right now that somebody listening to me right now, you've been in a certain state of confusion about some things for too long. And that's why God brought you here today. Because you have to detest and rebel against confusion in certain areas of life for you to maximize God's fatherhood. Psalm 23 that my wife shared David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, the person that was saying it, happened to be a shepherd himself from when he was little. So he understood how the shepherd cared for the sheep. How the sheep had no care in the world. Knowing that the shepherd fixes me, fixes my ways, fixes everything. Are you still with me today? But you know... Uh, Adulthood has a way of doing something to us, which is that it makes us feel like we, we can handle prolonged confusion. In fact, we, we feel like, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. You know, this saying, when we get to the bridge, we'll cross it. When we get to, it's just that the bridge just starts to multiply. You know, so there's a bridge in, in the marriage, there's a bridge in career that we have not crossed. Yeah. There's a mental bridge. There's a health bridge. Oh, so after a while, there are too many bridges that we're going to cross one day. And that's not the way God wants us to live. That's what I'm emphasizing today. That's not the way God wants us to live. God wants us to live in such a way uh, that we're casting our cares upon him. He's leading us. He's guiding us. We are definite about the fact that we're enjoying divine direction from time to time. 
The same David, the psalmist says, and when my heart is overwhelmed, he said, please lead me to the rock that is higher than high. There's a rock that is higher than me and higher than my boss. Higher! Yeah, than the mayor of uh, Mississauga or, or Toronto. Yeah. Higher than everybody. Higher than Trudeau. There's a rock that is higher than everybody. It's higher than your spouse. Higher than, you know, whatever. It's, it's when we allow God to lead us to that place. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run, runs into it and they're saved. But when we lose sight of the strong tower, the rock that is higher than us, and we gather all kinds of things together. Some people have, you know, developed skills in manufacturing confusion. Yeah, just packing things together to the point that, you know, the devil is always looking for people that he can turn to a bundle of confusion, walking on two legs, that he can just use to scatter things. So when a confused person gets into a place that is settled, the person will disorganize everything. That will not be you in Jesus' name. Uh, somebody say better amen. amen. So as we wrap up this teaching series, two quick thoughts that I want to put up today, uh, two big thoughts to expand on as, as we wrap up is, one is how do we respond? The right response to divine direction. The right response to divine direction when we have sought God for divine direction, and we have received divine direction, what is the right response? So not everyone who receives divine direction experiences the desired result. Let me explain what I mean. Sometimes you, you seek God to direct you in your career, and then you get a job. And it's fantastic. But months down the line, you start to second guess whether you really heard God. Yeah. And it's because there are certain things you should do when God is leading you that you are not taking responsibility for. Yeah. You know, sometimes we, 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 we over-celebrate too soon. It's good to share testimonies and all that, but you should take responsibility for this, this thing that God is leading me to. What is my responsibility in it? It reminds me of, uh, I mean, please pardon me for this, but it reminds me of, Sometimes when my country, Nigeria, is playing soccer in tournaments. So this is 10 minutes into the match. It's a 90 minutes match. We score a goal, and we backflip 10 times, run around the And in my mind, I was like, we still have 80 minutes. In the second half, if you're doing this two minutes to the end of the match, right, because a lot of the time you do all that, and then you are still like, well, maybe at the end of the day, you lose the match 3-1. That's the only goal you score. <laughs> You know, we just over-celebrate. They remove their shirt, do everything, jump, run out of the arena, you know. And it's just 10 minutes in the match. And sometimes that's how some people approach life. And God is saying there's a responsibility that is on you that you need to take charge of. So what's the appropriate response to divine direction? And second thought is to acknowledge God, God's sovereignty in the issues of divine direction. Those are the two things I want to quickly expand on uh, maybe in the next 30 minutes and we'll bring this to a close. So, to understand that God is sovereign. He chooses when and how to lead us and how much instruction to give us per time. These are very interesting part of being God-led. 
Because a lot of the time, people want to turn God to their subordinate. The God that you can control, switch on and switch off, is not really your God. Yeah. Because people only know one side of God. That's the God that I can use my authority and control things around him. But what about the God who you can pray about something and pray about it? I mean, what about the God that sends a storm and you're praying against the storm and it was God that sent it? If you ask Jonah, I will explain it to you. I'm getting into it in a moment. Yeah. Because there are different kinds of storms. Yeah. There's a demonic storm. There is self-made storm. And there's God-made storm. <laughs> Can I say that one more time? Yeah. In life, there are different kinds of storms. I'm just talking about three. There are storms sent by the devil. You can use your authority to calm that storm. Jesus was in the hinder part of the boat. Him and his disciples they were going somewhere, and a storm arose, and he stood up. And he rebuked the storm, and the whole place was calm. And he said, how is it that you don't have faith? Because that kind of storm responds to your faith, the efficacy of your faith. And the authority, how you understand your authority in Christ Jesus. But there's another kind of storm. Literally, we can say, you are the storm. <laughs> because you are, the, you are the one that created the storm. It just caused trouble in your marriage. Yeah. And you are rebuking the devil, and God is saying, shut up, shut up. You are the storm. Hold your peace. <laughs> but there's another kind of storm. God sends it so that it can signal something, a new season or something, or, or just redirect something. You know, the storm that people will be asking, this is not the time for this kind of storm. What is happening? Then you know that, no, this one, we cannot rebuke it. We can only respond appropriately to it because rebuking it will not work. Anyone who is in any kind of storm today, I pray for you that God will open your eyes to appropriate response. Amen. You will know how to respond to storms in your life Amen. in the name of Jesus. There will be no misappropriation of forces. You will not use your authority wrongly in the name of the Lord Jesus. My God will guide you in handling the storms of your life in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say a better amen to that. Amen. What is the right response to divine direction? Before we unpack responding uh, to God's sovereignty. Right response to divine direction. Hebrews chapter 3, I'll read from verse 15. Hebrews 3 from verse 15. It says, remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. As Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned? Whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath? That they would never enter his rest. Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. And this was talking about Israel. I think I was reading from New Living Translation. Israel not being able to enter 
God's rest. There's a rest for the people of God. There's a rest for all of us. And the pathway to entering into God's rest is to be God-led. Yeah, to be God-led. Even if it looks like God is leading me through a storm, it will be my peace in the midst of the storm. Are you still with me today? Yeah. But there are appropriate responses to divine direction. I'll go through them very quickly. One is that we demonstrate gratitude to God for giving us direction. Demonstrate gratitude to God for, for divine direction. In, in, in Daniel chapter 2, when you read verse 23, uh, yeah, Daniel 2 and 23, uh, Daniel just got a direction from God. You know, the king Nebuchadnezzar asked all the astrologers and magicians. He was in a dark street. He had a dream that disturbed him, but he couldn't understand the dream. And he wanted them to interpret the dream. And they had kind of messed him up. And then he got Daniel. Somebody told him Daniel had understanding. And then Daniel went to pray. And God revealed the dream and interpretation to Daniel. And then Daniel was thanking God and was celebrating God. And he said, God is a revealer of secrets. Yeah. And that, that, that you know, he was giving glory to God. When God reveals things to you, when God guides you in little things, you should respond with some gratitude. You should appreciate his divine direction in your life. That's the first step. In fact, the moment you pray for direction, the next thing you should be doing is to be thanking him because you know he's going to direct you. Because certain divine direction does not come just only by a word from God only. It's that you are trusting God as you are going. God is guiding your steps. So you just continue to give him praise and just thank him for all that he's doing, for all that he's doing and for guiding your steps. Secondly, is that when you have received definite divine direction, please take responsibility for documentation. Document your instruction. Take responsibility for documentation. Habakkuk 2, when you read from verse 1 and 2, he said, I will stand upon my watch. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. And I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered and said to me, write the vision, make it plain on the tablets that he may run who reads it. God wants to give us instructions, but he wants us to be able to capture it. Yeah, he wants us to capture it. One of my very interesting stories of how uh, uh, important journaling is was when I was about to go into college, going to university. I've shared the story many times, and I, I had three admissions, and I, I just didn't want to choose based on what I felt was okay. Uh, it was my call. My parents just made it my call. To the glory of God, as at the time, I already knew God and I knew how to pray. So I remember coming back from church one particular Sunday afternoon. I just went into my room and I just started praying. I said, God, speak to me. This coming week is very critical. I will need to start to, you know, action uh, which of these schools to go. And, you know, as I prayed and prayed, and for somebody listening to me right now, it may be even something more critical than that. As I prayed and prayed, I just felt God was telling me, go and pick up your journal. Go and pick up your journal. 
And I picked up a particular journal. I was reading through it. And I saw that uh, maybe a year before, after a particular morning devotion, I'd written down some impressions that I had in my heart. And part of the impression was what I felt, the kind of place, the kind of school that I felt God was leading me to and what to enable in my life. When I read it, I put the three schools side by side with my analytical mind, and I saw this one is what aligned with what is in this journal. This is what God is saying to me. And that was how I ended up in the university that I went. And to, till tomorrow, I'm grateful to God for sending me there because a lot of the things I'm doing in my life today, that's why I met Pastor Gide, you know, a lot of the things I'm doing in my life today are seriously connected to that direction. Yeah. I, I, I started my first ministry, you know, uh, initiative in that school. Yeah. And many things have happened since that time. It's just, and it's just been a fantastic experience. This is over 30 years now. This experience I just shared, but stayed with me forever because uh, um, it was just a good way to know that God actually leads. Yeah, that God actually leads. But you know, some people are very masterful at uh, <laughs> at keeping record. It's just that the record of wrongs. Yeah. So if we now uh, tomorrow is first of August, right? They will tell somebody it's the anniversary of what you said last year. First of August, I wrote it down. And you say, ah, how did you remember? I wrote it down. <laughs> see, I remember we had an argument that day, and you called me so-and-so. See? Yeah. And the Bible says that love does not keep records of wrong. I'm always very dismayed when I'm counseling couples. And, you know, as, you know and a lot of the time I'll tell people, especially if I'm meeting them for the first time, can you try to tell me what we're dealing with in this situation? And then somebody brings, carry the bag, open, bring out a book. I say, Pastor, if you give me five minutes, I will take you through. And then open, and then open. Ah. There was one particular woman. 45 minutes down the line, she was still opening book. And I asked her, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how do I stop her? Because at some point, you know, she had become so emotional. And I felt if I cut in abruptly, it would look like I was being. But I knew this was all wrong. Not wrong that she was able to you know, talk about what we're dealing with, but that she's so attached to the record. See, at the end of the day, when I said, when we are counseling, you know, it was almost over. And I was like, look, but if we go faith-based in this counseling, this is what the scripture says. Love, according to 1 Corinthians 13, go and read it. Read it in message translation. Does not keep a record of wrong. Madam, you can't go with this book. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so, Pastor, no, no. It's, it's my journal. I have my right to my journal. Uh, I, you know, I said, you need to burn it or something like that. Just do something with it. Or go and throw it in the lagoon so that God can carry it away like, as, as it's going. You know that, you know, the past has gone. The truth was that for this, for this particular one that I'm recounting, she did not agree. Yeah. And so, so issues become endemic when we refuse to obey the word of God. Yeah. Because some people are so emotional about what has happened in the past, they don't know it's to the detriment of their future. They're supposed to be more beautiful. Yeah. It says, remember not the former things, for I will do a new thing. 
here, Isaiah 48. See, when you choose to always remember the former thing, you are injuring the new things that God wants to do. Yeah. So rather than writing records of wrong and all those things, write directions that God has given. Yeah, intuitions, things that you have gleaned from your time with God. Those are the things you should write down. That's how to respond so that you don't forget. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefit. Not all the wrongdoing of my spouse, but all of God's benefit. You know, sometimes when you ask people, <laughs> my time is running fast, but please bear with me. When, when you ask people, um, uh, say, say something good about your spouse, it only take them three minutes to talk because they have, <laughs> they have programmed themselves to remember all the weaknesses of their spouse. They cannot remember any strength. Yeah. And there's no one person in this world, even the most ardent criminal in Guatemala Bay, you know that prison. Some of them are some of the nicest human beings on earth. Though there's wickedness in their heart too. That's probably what got them there. But when it comes to certain areas, they're good. Yeah. Some hired killers are the best in handling women. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, they're the ones that nobody will remind, remind them to open the door for their wife to do this, but it's just that they carry gun. <laughs> <laughs> and skillfully so. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm just saying that even the people in the heights of the world, that the world as I judge to be the most wicked, most terrible people, still have certain strengths. Are you still with me today? So it's important that we understand that God wants us to keep good record of the things that he's doing in our life, the things that he's spoken to us about, and not just record of wrong. So sometimes divine instructions need to be referred to over a period of time. Sometimes the instruction is to be shared, uh, uh, you know, with your generation to come. That's how we live a legacy. This is what God has spoken to us about. The people that we complement today as being people who wrote the Bible, some of them did not know that they were writing any Bible. They were just documenting their daily work with God. Yeah. Like all the Psalms, these the Psalms of David, Psalms of Sons of Korah. They're just writing things that God has put in their heart. But when documentation started, they found their way into the Bible. Are you still with me today? Third one is obey promptly. Obey promptly. Obey promptly. Uh, delayed obedience sometimes is disobedience. Yeah. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And when you don't learn to obey promptly in little things, you get used to delayed obedience or disobedience. So somebody did something that really ticked you off wrongly. And then you thought about it, and in your heart, you know, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit is telling you, even if you don't know the Holy Spirit, the voice of your conscience, uh, the, the, you know, when the Holy Spirit is indwelling you, the only, the, your conscience becomes the voice of the Holy Spirit, saying, you know, rather than looking away from that person or frowning, just smile and say hello the next time you see the person. And then the next time you see the person is during lunch at work. If somebody sent you a nasty email, yeah, and the Holy Spirit says, don't respond. I said, no, ah, this one. If somebody does not respond, <laughs> this person may think that they are wise. Yeah. 
You know, some people in life, you have to put them where they belong. You know, so you just say, no, no, I, I need to respond. And then you respond. And as you are responding, you know that your heart is telling you this is not the right thing to do. But you still do it anyway. And then the thing escalates and maybe the mercy of God, everything dies down and all. But that one, you messed up there. When you start piling things up like that, disobedience, delayed obedience, it messes up our relationship with God. Sometimes it makes you look as if we don't have a relationship with God. Yeah. The same way, for those of us who are very close friends and associates or spouses, you know that in certain areas of life, you just realize that this your friend or your spouse does not listen when it comes to that area. After a while, you don't talk about it again. Am I saying the truth? Yeah, you don't, just don't talk again. Yeah, you don't talk to them about it again because of the sharp reaction you get anytime you address such issues. It's the same thing with God. After a while, some people will say, uh, God doesn't speak to me again. God may not speak to you about certain things again because he has been speaking, 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 and you have gotten used to being recalcitrant in that area. It just leaves you for a while. Yeah. And that's why you're hearing this message today because God wants you to do something differently. Prompt obedience is very important. Divine direction not acted upon is as bad as divine direction not received at all. Yeah. When you refuse to act on a divine direction, it's as bad as divine direction that you do not receive at all. So be careful to respond promptly to the nudgings of the Spirit of God. And it starts from little things then to bigger things. Things like apologize. Yeah. Things like be cautious or be polite with that response, the, the, the email, or something like that. Things like God just saying, look, tip, tip that person. You don't even know why. And as you are going to that restaurant, you've told yourself, um, you've calculated how much you're going to spend and the tax and all that. You just told yourself, no, this is the budget. And then because God said, you wanted to do 5%, 10%. Holy Spirit said 10%. Ah, why? It's like tight now. Why would I be... <laughs> I'll be paying my tithes to this person, you know, all those kind of things. And you just be arguing. And it's just, just a little thing. Little things. Because you don't know. But maybe when you tip that person, that's, where, that's what signals somebody remind, re remembering you and, you know, just doing something nice to you. Send you something or something like that. Because this word is about cause and effect. Yeah. You trigger something, something else is triggered. You trigger something by obedience, something, heaven triggers something. I pray this week that God will start to guide you much more in the precious name of Jesus. The last part of this message, the, the big part of the, the big thought, acknowledge the sovereignty of God. Acknowledge the sovereignty of God. In Isaiah 46, God was practically boasting. God was practically boasting. As I go through this last bit, I need you to start to prepare your heart because I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for people who feel that they've missed God in certain critical areas because I believe that God is doing something here. Yeah, God is doing something. I'm going to pray for people who need to cast their cares. You're carrying too much. You don't have bandwidth for new instruction. Your mind is too full of all sorts that you need to just let go of. You get what I'm saying? You know, some of us, I mean, some, some, some of us will bear witness, except you have some cloud space. When you use your phone, and you take selfie all over the place, after a while, you're about to take the best selfie of your life. It doesn't store it full. 
Yeah. And I was like, no, not now. Maybe you're in a moving train or something, and they say, sorry. They want it. And that's the time that storage is full. Because you have been unmindful of the storage space. Some people just have a way of packing too much on your mind. When that happens, you're not able to pick new instructions because storage is full. So we're going to let go of some things from that storage. We'll delete. Are we still together? Is that okay to delete some things? So we can leave room for God. Yeah. And make space for him. Glory be to Jesus. So acknowledge the sovereignty of God. Isaiah 46. I love to read verse 8 down to 12. Here, God was speaking through the prophet Isaiah and was trying to remind Israel of how, who he is, how he operates, and asserting himself as a sovereign God. He says, remember this and show yourself, man. Recall to mind, O you transgressors, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there's no order. I am God and there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient time, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, and the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have proposed it. I will also do it. God is saying here that in certain departments of life, it's, a, it's not about you, it's about my counsel. It's not about you, it's about my original intention. It's not about you, it's about my purpose. This presupposes that in certain areas of life, all God is asking of us is to just give him the right of way. Give him the driver's seat of our lives. Yeah. My mind is powerful. But my mind cannot capture all the details of my life. If that is possible, I don't need a God. Yeah. But there are many things I need to use my mind for. There are many areas of life where the only thing that works there is God. That's why it's God. So he said, I'm God, and there's no order. No order. My counsel will stand, and I will do my good pleasure. So sometimes I envision something a certain way, but I need to tell him, Lord, let your counsel stand. Let your will be done. I figured I could go this way, but if that's not the way you want it, do it in your own way. Say amen, everyone. All through the Bible, you see people who wants to pocket God and dictate to God. There's one uh, uh, Syrian general in the days of Elijah who went and uh, the, the house help, you know, suggested Naaman, that's his name, and they took him to Israel uh, to be healed of his leprosy. And when he got there, the prophet said, uh, the prophet didn't even come out. He just gave instruction. Go and wash in the pool called Siloam. Or which pool was that? Yeah, or Jordan, go and watch in Jordan or something like that. And then the guy looked back and said, nonsense. I don't nonsense. He didn't tell him 
Africa, I'm a general, all the way from Syria. And he would not even come out. He said, I thought he would come out. And then he would touch the place. He waved his hand and touched the place and left us with it. The man already mapped out how God would do the miracle. Yeah, and you know, because he thought it has to be commensurate with his own effort. I've traveled this far. God must recognize my effort. The, and the prophet will have to come out and do certain things. In fact, he will wave his hand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe where he came from. The astrologers used to wave hands. <laughs> yeah. He said he will wave his hand, he will do this, and then he will heal. And then, you know, the prophet couldn't even give, give a hoot about who he was or anything. He was just following God's instruction. And what has God said? Go and wash in Jordan seven times. Not two times, seven times. Yeah. And the guy was like, Jordan, it's not even a clean river. Yeah. I have jacuzzi in my house. You know, I can. Yeah. And the person beside him said, ah, prophet, uh, general, um, if you could hear yourself, you will not be here. Yeah. If there are healers in Syria, we won't come here. It's a simple instruction, sir. General, sir, please. <laughs> so that our, this voyage will not be in vain. Just try, <laughs> you know. And that was it. The guy went, eventually washed seven times, and he was made whole. But many of us have want to serve a God that will always bow to our preference. And why do you call him God? Supreme ruler of the universe. God of the hands of the earth. Maker, deliverer, master, king. All the words that we use for him. Yet, we want to pocket him. And subject him to our whims and caprices. It just doesn't work that way. Are you still with me today? So he announced to him, God, and there's none like me. God always stands by his counsel and his purpose. And human intentions and dreams may fail, but God's counsel and purpose will never fail. So sometimes things don't work out the way I've envisioned it, but his purpose will stand. Yeah. My thought pattern may not be actualized, but his purpose will stand. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So when you think about the sovereignty of God, you focus more on purpose. That methodology. Yeah. You focus more on purpose and destiny than preferences. Younger people here, listen to me. God's purpose for marriage is for companionship, is for intimacy, is for growth. And maturity. So your preference may be tall, dark, and handsome. But God's purpose will stand. How do I mean? I don't mean that you're not going to get tall, dark, and handsome. But if tall, dark, and handsome will not fulfill the purpose of God, what God will do is to make you encounter tall, dark, and handsome that will almost break your leg. So that sense can return to you, and then you submit to its purpose. To say, in this department, maybe I'm okay with your purpose. And it may not be exactly what I've envisioned, but <laughs> my counsel will stand 
and I will do my good pleasure. That's what God has said. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, sometimes God takes you through routes that you don't understand. What he is gunning for is his purpose. Do you know the reason why Romans 8 and 28 says, For we know all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to So when things look like they're not good, they're not okay, if we focus on purpose, God said at the end of the day, I make all things work together. Yeah. When you see Joseph, the son of Jacob in heaven, and you ask him, when you were in Potiphar's house as a slave, how did you feel? He may tell you that sometimes I felt like God has abandoned me. But with good introspection, oh, I understand that all things work together for the good of them that love God. Because without Potiphar's house, I will not be able to access to a premium prison. Yeah. No, no, you know, you know, you could misbehave and they put you in prison. But the prison where you will meet Pharaoh's butler and baker. No, that's not. It's premium prison. Yeah. <laughs> and without that premium prison, he will not have access to Pharaoh. Nobody will be able to mention it before Pharaoh. If you like, be the best dream interpreter in town. If they don't know in the palace, you won't get to the palace. Are you still with me today? Yeah. So, somebody... Has to be in that prison who have Pharaoh's listening here to mention his name so that he can then get to the front of Pharaoh and deliver according to God's enablement. And God said, Ah, there's no man that we can find this kind of wisdom in. And since you are the one that brought the wisdom, you will manage the effect of the wisdom. So you become prime minister. You know, it's one thing for God to use you to deliver solution. It's another thing for them to submit the solution to you and say, you are the chief executive officer here. Yeah, that was what happened there. And God orchestrated everything by his own supreme purpose. Because if it was, I mean, uh, you know, you look at some people, and you, you, in your mind, if you have been emotional, you say, but this is not fair now. This is not fair. Now, uh, uh, but this person is very, uh, this sister, he, he, she's really very sacrificial in church, oh. Yeah, you know, she serves, she gives a tithe, she does everything, you know, she's always there. But why, why, why? That's what some people will be saying about Joseph. Even Jacob was heartbroken. I have sons, but this is a good one. Yeah, he has sons. If they were asking him to donate son that will go to prison, <laughs> he would not give Joseph now. He would donate somebody else. Yeah, no, 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 I'm just saying worst case scenario. Do you understand what I say? Because my wife will say he won't donate his son. No. But in worst case scenario, <laughs> he will say, ah, if you want to take one, take this one. It's not as useful. Yeah. So that, that's, that's what, what, what I'm talking about. So he was so heartbroken. If he could give Joseph his coat of many colors, and that was not the only son. Yeah. And he brought that same coat back with blood on it. It broke his heart. But he didn't know that in God's purpose, that is the deliverer of the family. He was going into the future to prepare a place so that when the famine was, was strike, just Jacob and the entire family will be preserved. So God has a purpose. God in his sovereignty is always working something. 
the founder of Apple, Steve Jobs, in his, in his uh, biography, in his memoir, he, he said something. He said, in life, you don't connect the dots forward. You connect it backwards. And what, what does that mean? What he was saying was that you have to look back for some things to make sense. Because he was saying when, when he dropped out of school and was still going back and attending the calligraphy class, he didn't understand why until when he was founding Apple and he realized that one of the things that would distinguish Apple was the typeface, the fonts, that would be so different from, and he learned that with just one elective that he took in the university. And at the, point, at the time, he was no longer interested in anything, education, or he just wanted to go and do his own business. But he would always go back to that class. And he gave examples of some things, and he said, look, in life, things don't make sense if you're looking forward. Sometimes it only makes sense when you look back and you say, but for God. Yeah, this could not have happened if not for the sovereignty of God. You know, there are some things that happen in our lives where some things you can trace to your smartness. Some other things you just say, no, this is God. Yeah, it's not because I'm smart. Because if it's by me, I won't choose that. I mean, it would take, you would have asked Joseph, what brand of weed are you smoking? If he would have to choose prison. Yeah. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Or choose to be a slave to become prime minister. Because many things that God is dangling before us today, the only thing is that the pathway to it is not, is not the pathway that we want to choose. Yeah, because if you ask Joseph, do you really want to be prime minister? I say, maybe I don't mind. Uh, but what about, you just take your coat of many color and give you a prison uniform. <laughs> so I don't want. Yeah. So that, just say thank you. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? And that's what happens sometimes. But when we submit to the sovereignty of God, we start to interpret things correctly. We start to have the right perspective to the issues of our lives. So somebody's listening to me today. Why I'm saying all that I'm saying is that God wants you to gain perspective about certain things that are not so palatable, certain things that are not so okay, but God has a way of working everything out according to the counsel of his will. So if you miss your way, if you have missed your way through disobedience, delay, or delayed action, misinterpretation of fear, it's time to repent and go back to God. Maybe somebody's here today listening to me and you have been blaming God concerning a certain issue of your life. It's time to repent and say, no, God, perhaps you're still working everything out according to the counsel of your will. And I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to submit myself to you. I'm going to submit myself to you. As I start to wrap this up, I need you to understand this. Right here, almost all of us here, anyone here who drives, you use the map. Google map or ways or which other one? Uh, all kinds. The ones that tell you where there's police or camera. You know, God will forgive you in Jesus' name. <laughs> you use all kinds of GPS apps. But you see, there's no time that a GPS app will give up on you. Except you give up on it. Yeah. You miss your way, you recalculate your route. You understand? Have you seen a GPS map before that spoke and said, you, you, you are just missing your way too much. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> just say, I'm shutting down. <laughs> In fact, you probably run out of that car and just throw the thing and say, what is this? So if a man-made object will know how to recalculate route, how about God who created everything? Yeah. 
who created everything. God who knows you before you were born. Yeah, he knew you before you were born. What about him? So I'm saying this to, to, to say that even if you've missed your way in any way, if you've missed your path in any way, please understand, God is still in the business of restoring his people. Yeah, restoring his people. Our God is more powerful than any GPS app. Yeah, he restores. You know, uh, David said in Psalm 33, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You lead me beside still waters. Yeah, and you restore my soul. God is restoring somebody's path. I said, God is restoring somebody's path. In the name of Jesus. And even in the most terrible situation, our God is ever faithful. Let me drop these thoughts as a wrap-up. Even if, I mean, they're, they're like, there are many people on my mind right now. And I believe God is also using this as a word for some people here. When you look through the Bible, for instance, you see Samson. Samson was a crazy guy. God gave him power. But he abused the power. When they were priests, mother was pregnant of him. They said, this is the guy that will start to deliver Israel from the Philistines. When Samson grew up, all that grace and divine ability was using it to chase women. Yeah. He coming out from one woman's house and then they put a gate and you just carry the gate. I thought he was supposed to be carrying the gate so that Israel would not pay taxes to Philistines again. And he was using, misappropriating the grace of God. So if there's somebody here today, you have misappropriate divine benefit and the grace of God. I'm just telling you that God is still ever faithful. At the last moment of Samson's life, when he chose the GPS of God and said, God, today, if you will give me victory, if you will just forgive all my shenanigans and look at me differently today, this moment, I mean, he had messed up big time. Everything culminated at the lap of Delilah, where jungle matured at the laps of Delilah. They got him and dealt with him and got out his eyes and all that. But just that last moment, one last prayer, and that's what I believe somebody should pray here today. Somebody who may be through, you know, hell and high water, fill up, post and all that, say one more prayer. The Bible says God restored him right there. And the victory he had that day was not comparable to everything that has happened in his life. That's the God that we serve. Remember the story of Ruth in Ruth chapter 2. This young lady who, you cannot explain the calamity. How can somebody just, you know, marry and then all, all of a sudden, father-in-law died. Husband died. And everything. Eh? Brother-in-law also died. And you just wonder, but I thought God led me to this young man now. Why? why? And then, the, the, you know, if you come from where I came from, at that point, the, the, we say the eye with which they'll be looking at him. That's how they're looking at him. I mean, to at her, at that point, it's like, you can't touch this. This woman, there's something on her that kills all the men around her. Yeah. But when God will show up because of our tenacity of faith and believing in the sovereignty of God, that God can turn a bad situation into a good situation. Yeah. This lady still got married had great children, came into the lineage of Christ, and there was a whole book in the Bible dedicated to her. That's how God turns people's mess into a message. Yeah. 
lastly, you remember the man at the well in John chapter 5. You know, some people in life, it just looks like everybody thinks you are you're dumb. You don't know how to figure your way out. This guy had been somewhere 38 years at the pool of Siloam, 38 years. You ask yourself, question, how can somebody be at the same spot for 38 years? Use your brain now. Do something. Work your way out. But when God will show up, <laughs> you know, there's some people, they give excuses about anything and everything. That's the kind of guy. He's always excusing himself. When Jesus showed up, he said, I have no man. The guy, actually, if you read John chapter 5 very well again, what you will understand is that he was a bad guy. <laughs> he was actually a bad guy. You don't have family. You don't have friends. You are a bad person. 38, how can somebody be abandoned for 38 years? The person is not a good person. Let's agree. Are we okay with that? Yeah, he's not a good guy. Let me prove to you why I know he's not a good guy. Verse 14 of John chapter 5. You can put it up for me. You will vindicate me, please. Verse 14 of John chapter 5. When Jesus saw him again, so afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more. Let's a worse thing come upon you. Jesus was saying, Your bad behavior has kept you on that spot, you know, for so long. Thank God I showed up. He, he was just a bad dog. Nobody to put him in the water. Nobody to do anything for him. 38 years just in the same spot. Yeah. The Bible did not elucidate on his bad behavior, but you can decode. <laughs> and when Jesus will see him again, that's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is that notwithstanding how bad somebody has been, if you will submit to God at critical time, at crunch time, God has a way of turning everything around. So I'm speaking this word to somebody here. I don't know who you are, but God knows you. God is healing emotional violence. Yeah. And whoever is responsible for that emotional violence, maybe you're like the man in John chapter 5. God is also showing up in your life. And all he wants is for you to surrender. For you to surrender. For you to surrender. For you to surrender. For you to surrender and to believe. Jesus just told the guy, carry your bed and go. Yeah. Just take your bed and go. And then they went to meet him. Why are you carrying your bed on Sabbath day? I don't know. Somebody healed me. Sometimes in the sovereignty of God, you don't know why God will have mercy on somebody who has inflicted emotional pain on somebody else. But God just chooses to have mercy. Glory be to God. Say glory be to God. Now I have the second word for somebody here. You are at the verge of a scandal. The person I'm talking to, you know yourself. The Holy Spirit will tell you you are the one. You are at the verge of a scandal. There's a consistent bad behavior that is going to be become, I mean, take a scandalous dimension if you don't do something from here. And the dimension will be bad. It will damage things. The person I'm speaking to, you know yourself. Grace is available here right now to stem that tide. Yeah. 
so that many things, many good things in your life will not be destroyed. Glory be to Jesus. Rise on your feet, everyone. Just lift your hand to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. your name. Lord, we bless your name. Lord, we bless your name. I want all of us to lift our hands to Jesus and just say, Father, I'm submitting to you afresh to guide my life. I want to make room for you. says I will make room for you. Somebody today, all God is asking for is that you make room for him to lead you. Make room for him to guide you. And I want us to lift our two hands to God right now. Somebody is praying the prayer. Lord, empty me of hurt. Empty me of animosity. Empty me of anything that hinders me from hearing you and getting instruction. Anything at all anything at all. Maybe you have been keeping a record of wrongs. Maybe somebody here, you are even arguing with God because you cannot understand why the good God will allow something like this to happen. And God is saying, surrender it to me today. Submit it to me. Submit it to me. Submit it to me. Submit it to me. I know the way through the wilderness of life. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I know the end from the beginning. So I need you to lift your voice and just let him know personally. I want you to identify situations that you need to submit to God this morning. And just tell him, Lord, take charge. Take charge of this situation. Take charge of that situation. Somebody right now is your opportunity to cast your cares upon him. To just cast your cares upon him. Something that you, you're fretting about and God is saying, just put it in my hand put it in my hand right now. All I'm asking you to do is to just mention it to him and put it in his hand. Just just take, take away some weight from your heart, some load from your heart. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Just let him know, Lord, I'm dumping this on you today. I'm releasing this on you today. I want you to have your way in this one. I don't understand it, but you do. 
I don't understand it, but you do. Wave your hands to him all over this place and just bless him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we bless your name. So I pray for anyone here right now who may be drowning in confusion. I stand against every operation of the spirit of confusion in your life. And I decree right now that the hold of confusion is broken. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus, you said as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. We ask that you shine your light upon somebody's heart right now. For every critical decision we receive for you right now, divine direction. In the name of Jesus. I pray for anyone who may be stranded, stranded, unable to move, because of fear of Herod, I decree right now that that fear is broken over your heart. I receive for you the grace to take a leap. Take a giant leap forward. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I declare right now that the hold of confusion is broken. I receive for you divine direction. In the name of Jesus, you will no longer be stranded. My God holds your hand and walks you through your path. In the name of the Lord Jesus. For anyone who may have been at the same spot for too long. We decree right now that the hand of God comes upon you. Receive grace to move to the next level. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Anyone in a prolonged season of life. The God, according to Daniel 2 and verse 21. Who's got times and seasons in his hand. The Bible says he changes times and seasons. I decree right now that the times and seasons of your life start to change. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the hold of delay is broken. In the name of Jesus. I receive for someone here new beginnings. Fresh beginnings. In the name of Jesus Christ. You will no longer be stranded. In the name of Jesus Christ. We stand against one more time today. That spirit of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. So I decree and declare right now that the hold of confusion is broken over your life. The light of God shines upon your heart. In the precious name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. God is recalculating routes here. God is saying, will you be patient and give me time? Will you be patient and give me time? I don't know who you are, but God knows you. And what God is saying is, be patient and give me time. I'm recalculating your route. Very soon, you're getting on the highway of destiny. You're getting on the highway of destiny. You're getting on the highway of destiny. No more delays. No more delays. No more delays. Your route is changing. In the name of Jesus, God is taking you away from the route of delay. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. Lord, we bless your name. Lord, we bless your name. 
Lord will bless your name. Lord will bless your name. Lord will bless your name. In one or two minutes, I'm going to bring this to a final end. But there are two things happening right now. One, God wants some people to speak to him personally about certain things. And secondly, if there's anyone here, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, whether you are here live or you are online, I want to pray for you. 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 The first set of people that I spoke about, there's something in your heart that you're struggling to let go of. I don't know how to describe it, but what God wants is for you to settle it here. In just two minutes of your personal prayer, to just settle it. The Bible says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But sometimes we wrestle with God. Yeah. And that wrestling with God is what is going on in somebody's life right now. And God says, no, I'm not the one you should wrestle with. So let's settle it. And the appropriate response to that call is a surrender. To just say, take it. It's in your hand. I will not wrestle with you about this again. I just want to put it in your hand. If you are the one I'm talking to, I just want you to say, to, to pray right where you are right now and talk to him about it. I don't know what it is, but I just want you to talk to him about it. And just say, Lord, I'm just leaving it in your hand. I will no longer be recalcitrant concerning this situation. I trust you enough to just yield it into your hand right now. To just yield it into your hand. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, let wars cease. The Bible says that you cause wars to cease. Let internal wars cease. Let your peace and divine serenity come into somebody's heart right now. Visit each person where they are right now. Holy Spirit, move over this congregation right now. Move over someone right now. Let a heart of stone become a heart of flesh. Let something melt away. Let your peace be restored. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. Thank you, everlasting Father. Awesome God. How great
Father, we stand in agreement of faith with your sons and daughters. Whatever has been handed over to you right now, let wars cease in the name of Jesus. Let strange voices be silenced. Let your peace enter into the heart of your sons and daughters in the name of Jesus. So Satan will rebuke you concerning those situations. We break your hold in the name of Jesus. And we decree that the peace of God is restored. The peace of God is restored. The peace of God is restored. In the name of Jesus Christ. And in the same vein, I pray over sickness and disease. Anyone in pain, emotional and physical, I stand in the authority of Jesus Christ. And I decree right now that the healing power of God comes upon you right now in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. Thank you, everlasting Father. Thank you, everlasting Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If someone here, you, you, you have to use blood thinners. That's what I hear in my spirit. Use blood thinners. Maybe it's a, a blood pressure situation. I don't know what kind of situation, but you use blood thinners. And God said, I'm healing you. Yeah, I'm healing you. I'm healing you. I'm healing you. I'm healing you. That particular person, I want you to trust God right now because the hand of God is coming upon you right now. You won't have to use that again. Uh, um, your blood will no longer clot. In the name of Jesus. So we rebuke that spirit of infirmity. And we command you, go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. Thank you, everlasting Father. Father, we bless your name. Lord, we bless your name. Lord, we bless your name. Someone here trusting God for the fruit of the womb. Before this quarter is over, God said, I'm visiting you. I'm visiting you. I'm visiting you. I don't know who you are, but God knows you and is reaching out to you. So we declare that your womb is open. And that womb will carry children. In the name of the Lord Jesus. No more barrenness. May the peace of God fill your heart concerning that situation Amen. right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everlasting Father. Thank you, everlasting Father. Can I pray for anyone who may be saying, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. I want to give my life to Jesus. Uh, right where you are, I just want to pray for you. All that I ask is that you just put your hand on your heart and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want God to forgive my sins. I want to accept Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. I want to pray for you right where you are. I just want you to say this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I ask that you forgive me my sins and that you cleanse me from every unrighteousness. I accept you today 
as my Lord and my personal Savior. I acknowledge your sacrifice on the cross of Calvary as being the payment for my sin. Fill my heart with your spirit and give me a new beginning from this moment forward. Thank you, Father, for accepting me. I am now born again. I'm a child of God and I will live my life for you the remaining days of my life. In Jesus' name. If you're blessed today, I want you to put your hands together celebrate Jesus.